It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. So, real quick, I didn't get you guys on the cut, but we're still getting these video things done. So, if you guys see some little lag tonight, it's because I am handling all of the, like, cuts back and forth between the cameras. You know, if we had, like, a fourth dedicated assistant to do this for us, we'd have a lot easier time of doing this. But I feel like that was just a call to your wife. <laughs> it really is. Well, I've we're asked gonna her. get an assistant. We just can't pay very much. I mean, like actually zero. We pay zero at this point in time. Zero dollars. So But guys, we're here to talk hockey. It's been over a month since we talk hockey. There's been a oh. lot going on everywhere, and we've had hockey, we've had a lot of games going on, and it's just been this is a month we did not have a lot of time to get together. I had stuff going on, Daniel had stuff, Matt did I don't think you really had anything like, going I've been on. Free. He's I'm like totally free. He's completely free. He could have been talking the whole time about hockey, but I unfortunately was extremely busy. I had two conferences back to back for music, so um, that is now behind me, and we are now moving on to uh, greener pastures and pushing towards the playoffs. Here, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to think that we're already middle of March and we're kind of towards the end of the schedule now. I mean, most teams have played sixty games. Uh, isn't that crazy to think? Yeah, it has been for me. Sorry, man, I got you right there. Go back to me. Um, yeah, it's been amazing. I didn't think about it. From the last time we recorded, it was like 48 games, and I looked at it today, and it was like 59, almost 16. I was just like, wow, I did not realize just that that many games had been played that much. Yeah, there was a, a, a very heavy stretch that, that happened where, I mean, I mean, we were having a game almost every other night or – I think there was one stretch that we had three games in like four days, I think, for the Predators, too. Uh, I know that schedule got really wonky right after kind of like the Olympic break and everything. And then they were still trying to make up some from a lot of the COVID uh, cancellations at the beginning of the the season. So it definitely compressed really quick. And then uh, it's definitely ramping up. But, yeah, I mean, we've already hit the 60-game point. And uh, we're now talking about playoff spots and wild card spots. Isn't, isn't that crazy, boys? Yeah, we come. Uh, this episode comes at a good time because it's a Friday uh, when we're recording, and trade deadline is on Monday. I think it is. So there's a lot of news. We'll discuss a couple trades happened today, one or two yesterday as well. So we're really hitting a great time where there's a lot of excitement, peak froth right now in hockey world for sure. But before we get for that, Matt, I told you today to be prepared because I have a quiz about one of your favorite hockey players. So if I'm going to give you a hockey player quiz, who's the first player that came to your mind? Uh, Chara. Really? Yeah. You read my mind. Oh? Zendaniel Chara. So you ready? Let's hear it. Okay, so I'm going to give you an easy one. We all know that Chara is a large human being. (laughs) How tall is he and how much does he weigh? Oh, all right. See, see, Chara was in the news recently, so I thought out of the players I like, he might have been picking him because his name popped up. But uh, out of the stats I looked at from him, that's not one I checked. (laughs) So I'm going to have to go on a whim uh, and take my best guess. I I want to say he's pushing. I don't know. I don't want to sound ridiculous. I first. I think he was six seven. First That's thing six. that comes to my mind, 
I probably can't say because that's ridiculous. So I say six seven. Okay, Matt, come on. Camera's on you, buddy. What you All got? Right. Six eight. Close. He is six nine. Wow. Six nine. I mean, can you imagine that with skates on though too? Like I I'm still reminiscent of the picture with him and Rocco. Oh Baldy. yeah. It literally looked like a child next and to him. And they say uh it's him and somebody else, I forget who the other guy is, but the the length of the sticks can only be so I forget however many inches, unless you're Chara or the other guy, because you have to meet whatever height requirement it is to get a longer stick. And it's just two guys in the league that that's applicable for. So and so what about the weight? Want to give it a just a running chance? Oh, uh, sure. Uh, he's, who knows? I mean, he's kind of a string bean, but he's so tall. I mean, so maybe tall. 240. Close, 250. All right, 250. all right. That's pretty close. That's what I was thinking. All right, next question. Oh, more. What team did Chara originally play for? Uh, good question. He's played for Boston for a while, but I don't he I don't think he was a lifelong Bostoner. Daniel? I honestly don't know this one, but I don't like follow the the char train like Matt does, so. All right, just just college guest then, Dan. Oh man, I'm trying to think like was it a Canadian team? It was not Canadian. Oh, okay. There you go. I just limited it. There you All go. Right, I'll say I just knocked out a few for you. I'll say the Rangers. You're in the right state. Oh. Okay. New York Islander. It okay. was an Islander. Yeah. So he went back to his roots then. Is what it was. Okay. Next question. So we all like a good trade, and with trade deadline coming up, this is part of what made me want to do this. What trade was Char a part of as a blockbuster? This trade ended up with this team picking up Jason Spezza, if that helps you out. Okay. Uh, uh, does Recent trade, like when he got traded to the Islanders. So Spezza came from, Spezza came from, a Dallas and went to Boston. I, I think it was Boston. I thought he went to Toronto. Oh, wait, wait. Sorry. I thought you were talking about Char. Go ahead. So this is back when Mike Milbury and the Islanders were together. Mike Milbury. Oh, well, then I have no idea, Kyle. That's that's before. I don't know. So Char was the main player in a deal from Mike Milbury and the Islanders to acquire forward Alexi Yashin from the Senators. And the Senators ended up picking up Spezza originally. Oh, okay. So this So this was like <laughs> excuse me, Islanders like his first tenure a long time ago before Boston. I was thinking like his most recent when he when he got dealt. Oh, that was way before my time of memory for sure. All right, well, the next question. So, Chara won his Stanley Cup in Boston, right? Right. So, when he accomplished this, he accomplished this with one other European-born player at that time who was Nick Lidstrom in 2008. So, he became the second European player born and trained to cap an NHL team to a stand to a Stanley Cup victory. There's one other player who's in, who's European born that's done this outside of Lidstrom and uh, Chara. Who would it be? European captain to win a cup. Yep. I I think we I recently reviewed this one in the last year or two, but I can't really recall who that is. I'm trying to think who won recently and who's the captains. Uh, how about Steve Eiserman? Nope. Man, let me get the. Google. He's bombing. He's bombing this quiz so got, far. These are hard questions, Kyle. Uh, he went deep for him. Or that I found an article talking about it. Too. <laughs> but, but still, I, like, I mean, yeah. it's, it's okay. perfect. I, it's right. I, up. I, I got it back. Sorry, Detroit fans. Eiserman's a Canadian. I'm thinking. Uh, 
I'm thinking Zetterberg is a European. He's a Swede, and it's uh, he had the huge unibrow when he came over the league. But that's unibrow. not that's Zetterberg. My bad. And Zetterberg didn't win a cup, I don't believe, with Detroit. And even if he did, no, he didn't. And even if he did, he wouldn't have been captain at the time. He he would he won a cup with Detroit because Lidstrom was the captain at the time because Lidstrom played with Zetterberg, but he wasn't the captain. But we give up. I uh, I <sighs> wasn't unibrow. Yeah, sorry, I don't know. It's your boy, Alexander Ovechkin. Oh, wow. okay. all right. I I knew that. Come on, right. come on, Matt. Come on. Come I was on. taking a long time. Yeah, I could think about it for like two or three minutes, but yeah, it's taking too much time. So, next question: How many languages does Chara speak? Oh, I oh. know it's a lot. I'm going to say five. I said four. It's seven. Seven. I think he's a real estate agent too. The guy has accomplished a lot in life. That's amazing. Seven languages. Do they have all the ones yeah. that they list? Okay. So Chara speaks um, Slavic, Czech. Polish, Russian, German, Swedish, and of course, English. That's yeah. amazing. All the Slavic people, he's from Slovakia, I think, and they speak a bunch of different dialects that are real close to really him. Really interesting one is Swedish. Like, he, he, he is Swedish in his repertoire? Like, that's so cool. Like, it's just random, but man, what, what a man of multi-talents. I mean, like, he's really done it all, hasn't he? Yes, and I'll have to skip the last question because the next question was whether what kind of license did he hold? Ah, a real estate so license. He got, got one. He got one of seven. All right, I'm like one. Yeah, one for five. One of seven. All right. So let's talk about its NHL trade deadline. So as we speak, we are just a couple days away. I believe the trade deadline is on Monday, and uh, I know we're going to talk about some of the Preds trading because I know there's people still clamoring. They figure out what's going to happen with Philip Forsberg and yeah, tons I have of things. That, but have that down in our notes here coming up. So Cat Friendly has been a great resource trying to figure out what's going on. But so far, from what we've seen, what is the most impressive trade so far? I don't know. I mean, to start, we got to talk about our boy, our boy Callie. My boy Callie. Boy, boy, boy Callie. My boy Callie <laughs> is now a flame which is crazy so basically the Kraken which was one of the thoughts that we had going into the expansion was going to take him and then try to deal some of the players I think they're even trying to deal their captain now uh, apparently to a Canadian team so uh, this should be very interesting they're definitely more <laughs> a less a, an expansion team now because I feel like they've had a bad year and they're actually like acquiring assets for you know the future that said I felt like they got a pretty good haul for um for my boy Callie here what do, what do they got up here for for Callie so Callie went to the Calgary Flames and Seattle picks up a 2022 second rounder a 23 third rounder and a 24 second uh, sorry seventh rounder and I believe they retain the salary Seattle does for this year? Some of it. Correct. Okay. 50%, yeah. I think. I, I figured that was the case for, you know, the Flames to be able to do that. The Flames are definitely not wanting to take on a lot right now because they're trying to, like, obviously make a playoff push or a playoff run because, uh, I mean, that team's already firing on all cylinders and they're really trying to add depth. And first of all, that is an excellent pick if you're trying to add depth because, as we know, he does everything. He was our Swiss Army knife there for a bit. So, um, Congrats to Cali because now he's out of the the Kraken and he's moving on up to Calgary and he's going to be on a very, very, no pun intended, hot team. Like this team is going to come into the playoffs. Hopefully, once again, they're not going to flame out like they've done the last several years. But, um, I mean, he's on a potential cup winning team now. So good for him. Well, uh, another thing that immediately crosses my mind is I'm, we're looking over the list now, and uh, what stands out to me is how much of sellers uh, the Canadians are. When I look at uh, the big names, you know, uh, I'm trying to see who the biggest one of the trade dra uh, of the uh, trade so far. Tyler Toffoli jumps out. He's got a 
yeah. a little over four million dollar contract. The Flames, I'm sorry, the Canadians dropped him. They who else did they drop that was worth a lot? Oh, oh Ben Sherratt to to Florida. He's uh, just shy of a two million dollar player. So they're making a lot of space, and everybody knows they're sellers uh, anyway this year. It wasn't a surprise. It just I don't know. Kind of takes me a little off guard at, at how much is going on just in this particular small time of uh, span of time we've got here. Well, don't forget your uh, Coyotes are acquiring pieces as well. They are. are they not acquiring pieces. They're also looking to deal. They're they're looking to be in the market too uh, this year for sure. They got some pieces. They got a big defenseman there who's probably going to be the top. Uh, who's the top defenseman left on the trading block in Chikorin? So why like they're always acquiring draft picks rather that's why like the last several years i just feel like it's just been dumping all the decent players they've had it's just like all right let's dump them for all those you know future draft picks and i think they've done a good job at that i mean obviously they've acquired a lot for next year and the year after which is hot draft classes as we know so i mean if you're going to tank might as well do it and also you know get some of some assets back in return and what about Brandon Hagel over to Tampa? Gotten out of Chicago finally. Yeah, that, that just happened a little while ago. Um, I don't know the exact details. I mean, that one just came off off the press. So if you have that one, pull it up. But I do know that he is going to uh, Tampa Bay. I know I saw the tweet here, and it was pretty funny because he was thanking the organization for being a first-class organization, which we all know is not true here recently for the Blackhawks. And it doesn't matter anymore because he is now on the Tampa Bay Lightning, a.k.a. the perennial possible champions. So, I mean, good for him. (laughs) Once again, he's going to a really good team who has a really good chance at winning the Cup again this year. Well, it looks like it's looking at Cat Friendly here, which if you guys don't know what Cat Friendly is, for those who are listening or watching, Cat Friendly is basically one of the best things you can do during trade season. There's been uh, actually pictures of some of the NHL people on teams using Cat Friendly because they've got such a just clear, concise of how things were done. But looking at the screen here, it looks like that Chicago Blackhawks sent Brandon Hagel over to Tampa. They got two players, a Taylor Radish and a Boris Kachuk. They got a 23 first-round pick from Tampa, which is conditional, and a 24 first-round pick uh, conditional as well. And they kind of uh, looks like they gained a little bit of money as well too, about 1.5 million. Yeah, those are those are some big first round picks there um, that the Lightning are giving up. So once again, you're seeing the Lightning try to align and go all in to make another run for the Cup. I mean, the fact that they think that they need to do this is very interesting to me. Um, I don't know if it's signaling kind of the like we're we're wondering how long the Lightning are going to be able to keep up this window of Cup. I mean, granted, they've won several. Okay, let's just be honest. It's been great for them. Like, even if they did not win another one for like another 10, 15 years, you've already done well. It's like the Chicago Blackhawks when, you know, they went like everyone's crying when they're not went well. You won several, and then of course you have to enter rebuild mode. So, at what point does Stamkos and, you know, like Hedman and Kucherov start tailing off towards the end of their contracts? It's going to be very interesting, but I, I, I am seeing kind of a reloading that they're, they're like, you know what? We might have one or two more years of this. Um, Kucherov has been injured a whole lot. Stamkos has been injured a lot. So uh, they're going all in again, and will it pay off? I don't know. I don't know, I, I don't know if this team is as deep as it was last year. Well, uh, to your point about how long it can last, generally when teams do this, a prolonged run with the same players without selling off many of their pieces, what what they tend to have to do to make that happen is they really have to screw themselves on the books. They yeah. have to, and you've got players who are re-signing. So 
you're in your window now. And I'm fine with that. Cash yeah. in while you're in your window, but just yeah. realize in the next five to 10 years, you're going to be screwed on the books. And I haven't really looked in the details too much about how they are in, in the upcoming years, but for sure, that's going to be an issue later, but that's fine. Uh, they're still acquiring pieces because they, they still have what it takes. And, and that's what you do as a hockey club in the run. They're literally at zero, Matt. Zero. Zero. They have cap, zero, zero cap, cap space. Oh, oh, oh yeah. But, so they, they made a change for like $15,000 differential and just because that's how much, how little room they had today. They moved some, uh, he was part of the Brandon Hagel deal, I think. So yeah, it's, it's, they're very tight on the cap. I mean, they have Vasileski signed through like 28 for 9.5. Kucherov is 9.5 through 28. Stamkos is 8.5, which is cheap right now, but that only goes to the 2023-24. So, and I, uh, I feel like, don't point, they still have somebody on IR still? Yeah, point, point is also, he re-upped Seabrook. his contract to 9.5. Brent Seabrook is on, is on um, LTIR. And what's he, like 6 million at least? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, it's nuts. So you, it's, we act like, oh, they're just under the cap. They're no, really not. They're, they're still six to eight million dollars over the cap, and they yeah. just happen to be able to get by with it because they've got a guy on LTIR, and they're going to, uh, how do you say, get them off of there and put them back on the books uh, when playoff cut time comes. And for some reason, we've kind of been talking about this recently that. For some reason, the cap uh, amount stops once playoffs start. They don't have to apply anymore. And I, I feel like they need to rework that a little yeah. bit because teams are now, you know, it, we've been doing it for a few years and now teams are catching on and it's making some headlines and people are thinking, you know, we probably ought to do something like th- about this or else people are going to continue to take advantage of this in some way. And, and Tampa is the prime example and they're doing it again. So... They sound. They look good to be on the books, but real, well and truly, they're still over the cap, which explains why they've had such a massive team for the rest uh, last couple of years. And uh, let's say before we switch topics here, a couple other things that stand out as far as as far as the trades go. Um, who was, of course, uh, Calgary is acquiring. Uh, we mentioned that already, but I'm I'm really particularly interested in the teams that are at the top of their game and what they're doing. So. Um, Toronto, what do they do? I don't think they've done anything yet. The uh, uh, Avs made a defenseman acquisition. It was kind of like a third line pairing, kind of. But they also they also got rid of Tyson Jost, which which is interesting. Yes, I don't. You can't call them sellers, but this is the particular time. And who was it else? Uh, was it the was it Dallas or the Wild? I don't have it pulled up, but one of these teams were really on the cusp of. Uh, uh, how do you say not getting they're on the bubble for the playoffs uh, for coming up and where their trajectory is so they went from they were they were kind of a seller and then on they've been on the upswing lately and then it might have been this uh, Tyson Joe still it might have been the wild who's who's I'm thinking of and uh, just in the last couple of weeks it seems that they are turning their season around to the fact that you can see them becoming getting the uh, getting into the bubble of the playoffs and that they're becoming buyers all of a sudden here in the last minute. So I think that's very interesting. Was it the Wild? I, I think it's because it's the, wild the Wild have struggled here recently. They, they're now down to like third almost. They're like at where the Preds are, okay. if not lower. It's crazy. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, that's about it. Who else? Uh, of course, I'm trying to think of the big names, but that's that's about all that's coming to my head at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's it for now, but honestly, by the time we record this again in a couple of weeks, we're going to have so, so many more over the weekend. So the next thing, uh, Kyle, we forgot to mention uh, two big ones. One that's going to super piss me off is <laughs> if Iserman trades uh, Bertuzzi. Um, I don't know. I'm just really invested in the Red Wings this year. He's uh, 
I just have a lot of emotional investment in Bertuzzi. And I know we got a lot of young, hot players right now that uh, you got to deal with somebody because, you know, they're still supposedly a seller because we're still in rebuild. So you shouldn't be buying and you should be trading away your assets to get more in return, theoretically, for futures. But I just have a lot invested in him. And he's like a miniature. He's like a smaller, uh, maybe not small. He's like a less skilled version of Brad Marchand, I've heard said. And as you know, that's right on my wheelhouse. He's got, he's got a hockey hair. He's got a hockey. He's missing some chicklets in the front. The guy, I love to watch him play wild. to the point that even my wife says that's that's my guy i love that guy and whenever my wife is is noticing a particular player that stands out so that shows you what bertuzzi is and i know the fan base loves him as well so i'm going to be very mad if he gets dealt and eiserman said that they're open for business uh, referring to bertuzzi so haven't heard any buzz about him so it may or may not come to fruition but uh the big one really is will um it was will claude Giroux get traded from from uh, philly to somewhere else and um, so the other day, I'm mad about it. So it just was it last night's game or the night before? It was with, last, it was last night. Last night's game with the Preds. He played his thousandth game as a flyer. And uh, they said he very well has just played his last game in Philadelphia because he was given, you know, hugs and stuff on the way off the ice. He did a little lap around the uh, little wrap around the arena before they went off. And he's played 15 years his entire career with Philly. And I said, I'm going to be very mad if he gets traded because you know how I feel about my veterans. I want them, my one team only veterans. I want them to retire in the place they played their entire career. But the difference is, and Giroux is not only just a veteran for one team, he's their captain. But here's the key thing is that apparently Giroux was the one who asked to be. That's what I was about to say, because I think for him, it's chasing a cup at this point. Cause if he can go to another team that has a, a, you know, a, Let's be honest, Philly's nowhere going to be close to the playoffs. They somehow just entered the toilet this year. Um, that said, if he can go to a team where, you know, he does have that chance to win in a final season, I don't know. Like, and if and if he requested it, then I'm all for it. That said, though, I, I felt like that gave him a lot of juice last night to come back against the Preds, honestly, yeah. because they were like everywhere. Like everyone was high flying in last night's game. It was a crazy game, but that said, good on him. You know, we'll, we'll see if it is the last game, but it did feel kind of official. It kind of felt like uh, Pecorine's last game, you know, where all the fans kind of just preemptively assumed that it was his last one. That's the same thing that happened in Philly last and, night. And he said apparently that uh, he was requesting to go to Florida. So you could see the Panthers being a buyer. I su- that's what I hear. And uh, of course, they're looking they're looking to be buyers because they're going to make the deepest out of the two or three teams that are going to make the deepest cup run. Uh, the Florida Panthers are up in the top three. Both Florida teams at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be an so interesting battle could, for Florida. If you want to go somewhere, if Giroux's in kind of like the, his goal, I call him the golden years of his career. If he wants to go somewhere where he can win a cup, Florida, anywhere in Florida. Sunny, sunny Florida, it. baby. I heard some rumors he could go maybe somewhere else like Colorado, some some, some other team that's a huge buyer right now. But e- any way you send it, um, I'd also heard that if he goes to Florida, that puts um, his GM in a bit of a hard position because that means Florida can deal a little bit more aggressively with what they ask what they give back in return because they know Giroux wants to come here and they know the GM wants to send him to Florida. So he might not get as much back in return due to the desperation almost of trying to send Giroux where he wants to go. So they could factor into it as well. But uh, 
I'm just at least happy that is the decision made by Giroux. So I I definitely think he will get traded. I don't know if it'll be to the Panthers, but I think it will happen. And it's going to be sad to see him go, even though we're not huge Flyers fans per se, but I am a huge respecter of, of elite talent and uh, well-respected veterans uh, of the league for sure. So, I mean, to basically piggyback off that ending that we saw at the Flyers game, I, I mean, we kind of got to enjoy a very special game, Matt, here recently, and that was the Pecorine retirement game. Um, not going to lie, that was special. Um, we were both in attendance, and I actually had met you know, Matt out in the, in the, the lobby there for a little bit, and we were kind of talking about it. And then afterwards, like Matt was kind of reflecting on uh, basically the whole ceremony was pretty much spot on. I thought it was very fitting for him, like having all the, the alumni there too. Like we got to see Shay and it was just, it was very well done by the Preds organization. I'll put it like this. Uh, my have shed a little tear. Like now granted, like the lady beside me, she was already in tears, like in just the pregame, like, you know, jumbotron highlight reel. And I'm just like, Oh man, this is going to be a long, long, long ceremony for you. uh, If that is the case. But, um, I think I have to admit, though, my favorite moment during the during the uh, the ceremony had to be when Peck is talking. He pans over basically, and he's looking at his goaltender coach. Oh, on the bench, and uh, he was just like basically like he revitalized my career. Like I thought I was done after you know, like he extended my career because I had that surgery, and he's like I th- I thought it was over, and basically that was the coach that extended everything out. He eventually comes back and wins the Vesna. You know, at that point. Um, a, a few years later and he, it literally the camera just goes to him and like the coach is literally just like bawling like literally just quivering lips everything like I think Dan Hino is like this looking at him and he's like partially shedding a tear and I'm just like stop it guys like this is it we're, we're just shutting down the whole place because you could tell like that that coach wore like as a badge of honor he's like that's my guy for sure i was the one that trained him and look his numbers going up in the rafters he's going to be a hall of famer he's the best finished goaltender of all time it was just a very special moment because you realize like there is a lot of human element to this uh, and that's kind of what i was alluding to before the ceremony like you know it's kind of our our you know Gordy Howe, and of course we're getting a statue now. Of oh, him. Like, dude, bro, I audibly they, like oh, yelled dude, when they dude, said, when they they said I lost my mind. <sighs> like, I lost my mind because I was like, that is what we wanted because he is that much to us and it meant that much to our organization and the fact that we'll have a bronze statue outside a Bridgestone Arena forever um, is extremely, extremely exciting, but it, it was a, it was so well done. I can't even like that whole week was great. And uh, like I said, Matt can kind of attest to it and give his feelings. And then of course, Matt also went to the stadium series game. So yeah, after the, after that uh, ceremony, I was ready to go home. Like I, I was like, Oh, we got a game after this because we'd already been there for like two hours or I forget how long it lasted, but whenever the doors were open, like we were there hours early, it was a couple hours yeah. ceremony. I felt like I'd been to a whole hockey game. I'm like, oh, sit back down, Matt. We got another. It was a good game. We got a too. hockey game after this. It was a good game. So very fulfilling experience. But I tell you, I did go to the stadium series, and um, so the Nashville attendance. What are they like? Usually like seventeen thousand or so fans. It's about eighteen thousand or so. Eighteen thousand. Yeah. I think they said they broke a record with the Rene retirement ceremony. Yes, in-house. it was because there were so many like standing room. Standing, con- yeah. yeah. 
And uh, but d- by comparison, uh, we went to the outdoor uh, series, uh, stadium series in Nissan Stadium, like which housed like sixty nine thousand. Yeah, so nuts. it was massive. And I tell you, that was such a unique experience. Out of the two, I like that one even more because uh, you know we get to go to games all the time. But how many times do you get to go to an outdoor game? And uh, it was quite incredible. It was freezing cold. And uh, I learned the invention of the hot hands (laughs) and uh, had those in my pocket. And that was a total game changer. Anytime I go to an outdoor event, it's going to be hot hands for sure all the time now. And uh, it was a wonderful time. They had, you know, the country music people were doing like, Oh, know, yeah. songs and stuff and they were having a big it was a big it was a big to do even during the intermissions and everything it was fun and I tell you there was a lady behind me I tell you what there was a surprising number of Tampa people there it might have been like 60% Tampa fans to 40% uh, Preds occasionally when I was like walking around I was like oh my god am I in Tampa or am I in Nashville because there was a lot of Tampa Bay fans and uh there was this lady behind me uh, in the stands and she was drunk out of her skull and uh, it, she kept yelling, Tampa, Tampa. Anytime anybody did anything, she was like obnoxious about being a Tampa fan. And I tell you what, from the start of the game, she called the score. She was like, it's going to be four to one Tampa. I think that's what it was. Uh, memory escapes me, but she was kept saying, it's going to be four to one Tampa, four to one. And I tell you what, Kyle, it was four to one Tampa yeah, until, the, until like, like until like the last five minutes of the game, and I said, "Oh my God, this drunk lady is going to get the score right and prove that she knows more about hockey than." And all of a sudden, else. it was like two power players. So like it was very yeah. quick. But and, for the majority yeah. of the time, I was thinking, "Man, she's like the typical obnoxious fan." But it was it was a blast because anytime like the Preds did something, the couple people around me like turned around and you know and yep. like booed at her and you know yelled in her face and stuff and and it was hilarious. That that was a good game to be. So one of the things that I felt like it was kind of deceiving is I do think there was more Preds fans than Tampa fans there, but the problem was our Stadium Series jerseys are blue. Oh, that's oh that's a good point. They so like blue. on television, you're like well both these teams have blue technically and like so it's kind of like it was kind of hard to just that was my one hold on hold on hold on i will tell you i'm somebody who got to watch it so the question some of you may be asking us was like why was kyle not there because you guys were there i was not there because my in-laws are coming in town and we're already taking them to a game so it was kind of like you know the money had to go to that but as somebody who was watching the stadium series game on television the jerseys really did not bother me as much because i can make out you know the white was tampa and then the solid blue was Nashville. I'm just saying from the stands perspective, like just fan perspective. I'm not talking about on the ice. I was just saying it gave the perception that there were more. Yeah, if you're Tampa looking fans. at what color you're yeah. seeing. Uh, well, and the stands, I think they're blue seats, right? At Nissan's. Yeah. So like everything was like blue or white. And it's like you'd have splashes of gold. And obviously a lot of people were wearing gold still. It's just interesting that they went with that for the stadium series and had an awful jersey when they could have really leaned into gold for once and just made it pop. You and know, another but side sidebar about this Nissan Stadium. You know, I don't go to the football games there, but we had seats in this two hundred section. I think it's called something, some suite or box or something. Uh, I forget the name of it, but anyway, it's like a special area, and you walk in, and it's freezing cold outside. And in this particular section, whatever, I'm sure some fans are screaming because they know what it's called. Uh, it's like a a nice area. You walk in and it's like going through an airport though. It's all indoors when you get up to the 200s and it's like they've got the best food, the best, like, it's like restaurants and bars and seating. And then you go outside. Chargers and then you got to go outside in the cold. But for that brief little moment, if you're in that level, that 200 level, it's like heaven. It was wonderful. I was like, this is like being in 
being in an airport. This is wonderful for an outdoor game, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much more to add to that. It was a uh, that was a crazy week for Preds fans, like just in general. I mean, what a big week! We had the retirement, we had the Stadium Series game. Didn't end like we wanted it, obviously, but still super fun. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, what an incredible week for the organization as a whole. So let's talk about real quick about some of their things that have been going on around the league. So, Matt, I want to get your opinion on the playoff logo change because out of everything that's been happening, so we know there's things going on with the fact that, you know, CCM has stopped doing this global marketing for initiatives on Russian players because of what's going on in the world. And McDavid is now the first athlete to be signed as a brand ambassador for, uh, I guess, yeah, MGM. MGM. Uh, all those things aside, Matt, you seem to be really focused the most this week, though, that we could tell on this playoff logo change. So what is it about this logo that has really just bothered you? Well, uh, I think it's pretty much universally accepted that everybody hates the new logo. I don't think anybody likes it better than the old logo. Um, you know, the old logo had had the Stanley Cup and then the words inside of, of the emblem. <coughs> Excuse me. And now the new one, they have broken that up. Now they've got the cup uh, on a banner and then the word Stanley Cup playoffs beneath it. So it looks to me, it doesn't look like one homogenous emblem or logo. It looks like two pieces. It looks like a graphic with some words below it. And it, it, it turns one thing into two things. And I don't like that at all. And because of the banner is so prevalent, it looks just like the home play, like uh, LA Kings logo does. So it looks like the LA Kings logo and it's black and white. It's, it's an LA Kings jersey. That's immediately what I thought was LA Kings jersey. I think it's broken down almost like into three sections for me because it had like everything in in one. Now, if they just use that one badge, like with the cup, I think it'll look cool on the jersey because it'll look really nice and clean. But once again, it is definitely a departure from everything. And I, I know they broke it down with like the whole like typefacing with like, you know, they had two specific ones that they came up with for whatever reason, honoring Montreal or whatever on one of them, some Canadian thing. Honestly, it just looked really plain. That just is what it is. This is now the second time here recently that I've had to have type, you know, like typesetting explained to me. One was for the Preds jersey, which I didn't even know was a thing from Nashville. And now this is the second time with this. So I'm kind of like over typesettings. Like I feel like we just are getting into that really artsy realm where it's just like, eh. But that said, I'm, I'm just kind of indifferent about the logo. I'm I'm interested to see it on the jerseys for the playoff. That's I think I'm reserving my final judgment to see what it looks like. I think part of the problem is is that we see these logos aside and we don't see them on the full kit. I think if you're going to take the time to actually like redo these logos, show them on the kit so we actually see yeah. what it looks like. So then you won't be getting this. Why does everybody hate our stuff? Throw it on a Kings show jersey. What it looks like. <laughs> Yeah, put it on the King's jersey. Throw it on a King's jersey. It probably looks great on there. I, it would look, I, honestly, like it actually will look good on the King's jersey because that typefacing is going to be perfect for it. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent about it, but just is what it is. But, um, you know, we'll see it on the ice physically. I'm assuming that it's going to be put on the ice for the playoffs, like in one of the, the areas. And then, of course, we should see it on the jerseys. So um, I'll reserve my judgment. So let's talk about the Forsberg contract change. What do you think about that, Matt? Contract change. Well, I mean not, the talk. Well, contract talk. Sorry. So nice. that re basically uh, was restarted today, I believe. Uh, I think some people were were reporting that, and it is very interesting because recently there was another signing that I have to compare it to, and that's the uh, hurdle contract. 
So in comparison, hurdle sign with the Sharks, for those who don't know, uh, another eight years, uh, 65.1 mil. So it's about 8.137 mil a year average. And he's one year older than Forsberg. And his numbers aren't as good as Forsberg. So that is the going rate right now. Eight years at 8.1. So in my mind, logically... I'm thinking Forsberg is most definitely a 9 mil player, probably a 9.5 million player. I think once again, the sticking point is going to be, guess what? Term. That term. Yeah. And look, I mean, we're pulling up the player cards from the Athletic. What is his market value right now? 11.2? Is that correct? Oh, that's nuts. And the crazy part is it has been going up because he has been on fire here recently i mean let's not even get onto the fact that he just did another he br- breaks the record for the franchise or whatever for did he, goals for he, goals he tied the franchise, tied record, the franchise record with an in between the legs hat trick ha- i'm like i'm sitting there and i'm just like we were watching it and i'm like did he just do that for real yeah and like make a bigger statement you're just that. i'm sitting there watching the dollar value just go up on him and he's killing it and he's in his prime he's 27 too So, in my opinion, I have almost flipped the script on him because at once I was like, you know what? If he's wanting too much, like, I I think you just got to let him go. But at this point, he is getting better as a player. You obviously have seen him and Duchesne. All of a sudden, they've clicked together because both of them, their output here recently has been unbelievable. And that said, now you have that combo that you were wanting from Ryan Johansson when you signed Ryan Johansson, but it never happened. But now you have it. We finally have it on paper, but the problem is you're going to have to pay for it. And in my opinion, I would be willing to give him maybe that seven or eighth year and then try to work out some sort of partial non-movement. Poyle is going to have to come off of it eventually. He's going to have to come off of it on this one because we only have like one or two out there I think right now Yossi's one of them I believe Pekka was the other one he's now gone I think that's it I think so it's I, Yossi well Ekholm I think Ekholm you can check me on Cat Friendly while I'm talking uh, I think Ekholm has a partial but he is gonna have to come off of it in some manner because I think Forsberg does want to stay in our organization because that's all he's known but um, I, I, I'm thinking it's gonna be 9.5 that's just me. 9.5, probably he's asking for eight years. If you can get seven, I would prefer seven. Just to just to kind of shave it off a little bit towards the end when you know he's going to be tailing off a little bit. But that said, if you can get that contract signed at like seven, at like nine to nine five, you better be doing it because his market yeah. value is showing 11, 11 plus at this point. And, and you got to think he's probably going to be putting this output out for the next several years, like four or five years, very consistently. And you have Duchesne already signed to a long-term contract. So you know his partner in crime is already going to be there. So I've kind of almost flipped the script on this one, but they got to get it done soon. Um, because obviously, like, if you don't think you're going to sign them, the trade deadline's Monday. So now you're shooting yourself in the foot. Well, I, I think you said you the contract talks have, have started to heat up again. I haven't necessarily heard that today but i have noticed that i haven't heard any buzz about him being traded which probably goes they go hand in hand there's no buzz with him trading shows that he's not shopping him which means he's trying to resign him either way you look at it uh but the problem is is this is this hurdle signing that's going to hurt uh 
David Poyle, because now that's a comparable. And now his high signing with Hurdle, because he went very high, now that's going to rise what uh, the comparable market comparables are for Forsberg. So now he's going to want more. Because remember the last month or two when we we're talking about, oh, we're going to re-sign Forsberg. Players don't like you know going into this period without having a contract on the books. They like to get on the books. And they didn't get it done. He wanted to stay flexible, I guess, to see what could pop off in the uh, – it come trade deadline time, but now you've got a new signing, and now your price just went up for Forsberg. So now you're going to pay more, and uh, it's not something I like to do as a GM. And I think you're right. I think you're looking at eight years. That's going to suck, but that's what you're going to do, and you've already traded away everybody else that Nashville fans like, so I think you're just screwed right here. You have the cap space, though, too. I mean, yeah, to do but it. It's but going to hurt you in 10 years. Well, not. Uh, well, maybe not I, 10 hope, years, I hope it's not ten years. It, it's going to hurt you in six no, years. I, I whenever think, all these big contracts come up again. Yeah, I think six, seven years from now, you're obviously looking at a hurting for sure. But that said, uh, yes. Yeah, so Darren Drager also reported it today. They have re-engaged in contract negotiations with his agent, JP Berry. Okay. Um, said the Preds have maintained their focus on extending rather than trading their top goal scorer. So sounds like progress is being made at this point. Yeah. So I, I, it's going to be down to that term for him. Like I said, if you can get seven somehow, that is ideal. But I, I think he's going to want eight now because of the hurdle situation. So let's talk real quick about Roman Yossi, too. So that man, what can he not do? He is just going crazy. So um, the guys here sent me a tweet today as I was getting the show notes ready from uh, our, I won't say, I almost said good friend, but we've never actually talked to him, which is Bucci Maine. Yeah. But he seems so personal. I seem like he would be just the type of guy that'd be like, yeah, we'll talk to y'all. You know, don't know who you are, but we'll talk to you. But so he had a tweet today where he said that Roman Yossi is on pace to finish the season with 98 points. And that is the highest total, Matt, by a defenseman since Brian Leach, who played for the Rangers in 91-92. And if he reaches a hundred, um, if he reaches a triple-digit mark, he is going to be the sixth defenseman in the NHL to reach that number alongside people like Bobby Orr, Coffey, McGinnis, uh, Leach, and Dennis Potman. That is insane. So what that do you think about that? That is the sixth ever in yeah, NHL I've got, uh, my, I've got a stat that's slightly different. Mine says he's on pace for 96, which is the most since Phil Housley. But Housley played before the guy you said. He was... Even before that, so I'm not sure. But anyway, he's he is in on the pace top. for he is on pace for 97. I think as of it's somewhere West. in between yeah. 96, 97, and 98. But he's in it's he's in high company for sure. And if he's on pace for 96 or 98, if a defenseman ever breaks a hundred points, that's ridiculous. That's that's insanity. So the last couple of years, the uh, the scoring, not the scoring race, the, the whoever has the most points, uh, that's went to you know it was McDavid for a couple of years, and then it was somebody else, and the the, the end result was like 103 points, 101 points. Eight, I think Marchand was third that last year with like 89 points. But the point is, the top scorers in the league are barely passing 100 points, and a defenseman is about to clip 100, possibly. That's ridiculous. So do you think this makes him worthy of the Norris? Because uh, he's third on the Norris tracker right now, and you know, yeah, that's, he's had that's, some competition. Seriously? Yes, he is. I Be- thought, oh my God, I thought you guys were talking no. about the Norris tracker from mm. last, you know, a couple months ago when they the, did that. The most recent one that came out, they have him at 40 points, and Kale McCarr has 75 points, which I think is a tragedy. But that's because, once again, I had talked about the fact that Kel McCarr has more goals than Yossi. But at this point, he's now closed the gap big time. And now his assists are way up there. 
I, I mean, Yossi's averaging 1.22 points per game at this point. And I'll put it like this. You ready for this stat, Matt? You'll, you're going to love this. So, Yossi, in this month, it is not the end of this month. Like, it's the 18th. He has played eight games, okay, Matt? He has 19 points in eight games. 19 points in eight games. He has three goals and 16 assists. God bless. So, the thing about Yossi that has just been amazing to watch so far right now is how confident he is with playmaking and basically driving the pace because he is driving in and he is basically supplementing Forsberg and Duchesne on everything, whether it's the power play. I mean, that goal last night with Forsberg in between the legs, it was Yossi driving around the net who who set it up. That's the thing is because the teams know that Yossi's such a good goal scorer too that they are trying to limit his ability, but here's the deal. He is now becoming such a good passer and a playmaker that he is allowing other people like Duchesne and Forsberg to open up and score those goals. I mean, we you have Duchesne and Forsberg at 30-plus goals. Like, it, it's absolutely crazy that, like, most of these are coming from Yossi, though. I mean, that's that's crazy thing. 19 points in so, eight games as a, de, as a defenseman this month. And another stat out there I've got is that Yossi... Has, let's see, I said Yossi has the fewest games to 70 points. He's required the fewest games to reach 70 points by a defenseman in the last 30 years. Yeah. So the idea, so I'm looking it up now on NHL. So you said McCarr is leading in goals. He's leading by three. It's yeah, 20, only three now. 21 to 17. But Yossi still leads the leads among defensemen in uh, in points total. Yeah. With uh, 72 to McCarr's. And he's 66. third. And he's, he leads in assists. He's third on the tracker, almost half of the points. Yeah, as far as voting. Yeah, right now by the NHLPA writers. Yeah, seventy-five votes to we call them points, but forty seventy-five votes to forty votes. Headman is in front of him. How in the world? So Yossi not only like is on fire, but he's also broke his career high in points, assists, and goals as well this year. And the season's not yeah. even over. And that didn't. I think there was another stat too, which uh, there's just been so many that he's been breaking here recently. Didn't we say like he's gonna? eclipse the Swiss record too for most yeah. points in a season of any Swiss player. Yeah. I'm not I was surprised that not Timo even Meyer a, owns that not, record. Yeah, but. Timo Meyer. And that's uh a Timo was a forward, right? Yeah. So I, I mean he's breaking forward records at this point. I, I don't know how he started on the list. Like I said, I'm hoping that this was like a lagging statistic. Like taken like two weeks and then ago. The, the next tracker better have him at one. That's all I gotta say. That's all I gotta say. So do you think Roman Yossi is one of the reasons why our players are doing so well? Well, yes. sidebar, and he didn't even make the freaking... We're talking about how he should be overwhelmingly <laughs> the number one for Norris, Norris right now, and definitely not half the points that McCarr took, but he also didn't even honestly make the all-star roster. He was a slot-in substitute due to injury. Yeah, and that's because Soros was playing out of his mind, too. So let's not even get on... Well, we can transition to Soros really quick. By the way, Vesna, he's not even on the graphic for the Vesna Trophy. Have you looked, Matt? Uh, no. You talk about another... Look at this. So, right now, the Vesna is Igor, um, Markstrom, uh, Freddie Anderson, and Andre Vasilevsky. And, like, they have... he ha, he He's fifth right now with 21 points. Yeah. I... <sighs> A lot of snubbing going on this year. Is it? I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live or die on the Sorrows Hill. Yeah, he's good, but uh, I, I might live or die a little bit on, on the uh, Norris discussion hill. I still think Shosturkin is going to win the Vesna. I, I think he I is. Think everybody said that from 
from the from the halfway mark of the year when the original when the initial votes came out. But yeah. Well, I'll put it like this though. Money Puck has Saros as third and saves above expected. And he is now closing the gap between Igor uh, a lot. And that said, my whole point and what I've been trying to tell everybody is Saros has played 11 more games than Igor and Anderson. So there's still room for them to kind of tail off a little bit because Igor right now, they have him at 31.8 goals above expected. Saros is at 24.2 with Anderson at 28.6. But Saros has played 10 and 11 games more than both of those. In fact, this was the funny part. So last night, he had five goals hung against him against the Flyers. His goals above expected went up because he had so many high danger shots on him last night because the Flyers were just all over the net. So that said, he is giving the Preds a chance to win every single night. I, I, just, I don't think he's going to win. I still think Igor is going to win. But I, uh, the fact that he's still not in the top four on the list is kind of baffling to me. It, it, and once again, the Yossi thing being third, I'm really hoping the next time that we see these statistics updated or like the writers go again, that we see them both up there because they both deserve to be in the conversation. That's for sure. Sorry, Kyle, to uh, root in on your conversation there. I forget what question you're asking, but uh, you can take it away again. We got a little sidetracked there in the heat of the moment discussion here. It's okay. I'm used to you doing that. So where I was going with this question originally is that if you look at the top five Preds and points, we see a lot of familiar names. Roman Yossi's at the top, 72 points. Matt Duchesne's up there with 61. Philip Forsberg's up there with 56. Ryan Johansson's at 45. Mikhail Graylin's at 45. But there's somebody, Matt, that I wanted to talk about, and I've got him marked as honorable mention because... Is it my boy? Who's your boy? Tanner Janot. It's him. TG, Let's TJ, go. TJ. Let's go. So what do you think about that, Matt? Also, so, Tanner Janot just broke the Preds record for hits in a season. Yeah. Uh, it was a record that was held by Shea, Shea Weber. So I saw the clip of uh, the one that took him over the edge to beat Shea Weber. It was just a little bitty dink. It was not a big hit at all, but it was the one that broke the straw that broke the camel's back. But yes, Tanner Janot has been a freaking tear on fire. Even was interviewed by... Uh, uh, 32 Thoughts guys, uh, Elliot Friedman the other day and, and Jeff Merrick. So he was on the show, got to listen to him talk about how he really seemed to be a late bloomer. Apparently he did not do good when he played for, I guess it was Moose Jaw or whoever, and he was a late bloomer. Absolutely been destroying for the Preds uh, this year. I don't know where it's came because we didn't see it when he played for Milwaukee for a time or two. By the way, also, now we're talking about Milwaukee, your boy – who was at Olivier, absolutely murdered a guy the other night. I showed you guys a photo of he, that. He murdered someone. The guy is bloody. His his visor, it looks like a gun. It looks like a gunshot went off in the <laughs> other guy's visor. Yeah. And then he took his he took his helmet off, uh, and he's blood dripping everywhere. And it was, you look like he got murdered. Olivier did some damage there with the fisticuffs, but really I think it was the visor that nicked him. And uh, I always say, well, maybe the, maybe the players should throw the helmet off before they go the fisticuffs route because the visor always always cuts and uh, cuts and uh, makes a big cut but uh, when you throw helmets off if you hit the ice that's like massive concussion brain damage area so I think we'll take a little bit occasional cut of blood uh, once a year is fine uh, it looks good on camera anyway but fisticuffs like my boy Tanner Janelle he's been absolutely on tear and he's uh, also by the way uh, not totally out of the rookie of the year discussion. I mean, he's not going to win it probably, but he's good enough to be in consideration in talking about it for sure. 
Well, I mean, you got to think he has 35 points this year. That's pretty impressive. 20 goals. He has 20 goals. He's come out of nowhere. And the funny part is we we weren't even talking about him, and somehow he ended up on our draft protection list. Do you remember that? And people are scratching that. Why Tanner Janot? Like, why are you protecting Maybe, uh, maybe GMDP knows what he's doing, and we were just judging him a little early. Well, I mean, this goes back to that whole thing where Hines develops young players, and he's good at that. So apparently Hines saw something in Tanner Janot that no one else did. And he has developed into a great player. And like Matt said, he is very physical. I mean, he is a big human being. And he he does not mind to throw his body weight around. I'm, I'm surprised at how good he is actually compared to how physical he is. Because usually when you have players that are like stuck in the minors, like it, he wasn't necessarily stuck. But as you progress and you're in the AHL, if you're like, well, I, I'm not really the top of the scoring. So what you do is you start throwing the body. And especially when you make the show, that's what happens. Well... You're not going to be playing first line minutes as as a rookie, as a black ace. So you're going to be put on the third or fourth line. And your job really is to play physical and do something, find a way to to slot in the roster. So I really am having a hard time telling what Janot's strength is. Is it scoring? Is it being physical? Is it fighting? Is it just being being a sandpaper player? For He fits in very well in whatever slot you, he needs to be in, it seems. And he's just a rookie. Well, and he's, like, to your point, he's playing third and fourth line minutes, and he's not really getting power play time and not a lot of offensive zone starts. And that, I think that's what where he started our conversation with him, is so, saying basically like Zegris and Raymond – they have more of that opportunity to score and make those plays and the assists because they are in the offensive zone on all those faceoffs. They are on the power play unit. He doesn't. So, like, he is really honestly making the best of what he can with the very limited time that he's out there. And he's not afraid to drop them. Like, he'll drop them in a heartbeat. We have several players right now that aren't afraid to drop it. Uh, McCarron, uh, Janot, and Burrow as soon as he's back because I can't wait to see that that guy with no teeth and the grin and just he's just – you know, he's out there assaulting people like on a nightly basis. Like I love the fact that we do have a nice grit factor right now, but it is not a Cody McLeod situation where literally you're just out there. You're literally just out there as a bruiser. Like Tanner Janot has the grit, but he can also score goals. He's scoring 20 goals for us this year. That's incredible. So the fact that we have that now, that is something that we've missed for years. We've only had a bruiser for years. And now we have a bruiser who can actually score and convert. Yeah, I'll actually have to say, you know, we've discussed how Nashville might be having a little bit of an identity crisis. You know, they got a new coach in. There was a floundering system to start the le- uh, start the season. You know, we traded away, uh, you know, Arvison and Ellis and uh, some of these players that was really part of the core identity. And you're mentioning this physicality and this bruiserness. And Nashville still leads the league in fights. I think you're really starting to see Nashville develop its own, I will say, identity and who it is becoming. This is now our new core, what we're good at. This is what seems to be our natural strengths by the uh, the coaching decisions being made and telling players, you know, this is the kind of system we want to run, or it's just kind of natural by based on natural. Uh, players talent level but uh, I'm happy with it as a Nashville fan like you know as a fan of hockey you know I like the old school bruiser stuff anyway I'm really happy and pleasantly surprised with the amount of uh, I guess you could say centricity I'm seeing with the identity as far as core toughness and uh, roughhousing I guess well I mean to your point like did we expect the Preds to be in a playoff spot this year I mean I didn't like I was really down on the Preds this year none of us did and like we're flirting in between, you know, third place in the central division. I, I, I mean, and it's crazy to think that 
I, I think Hines' system has become, he wants to play gritty, and he also wants to play close games. He loves close games because he knows that, like, with Soros and some of our key, you know, core there, if we can keep the game close, there's always a chance for us to win. Um, and I, I think that is his mentality for sure. But, like, yeah, the grit is definitely there. I mean, McCarron, last night on the game against Philly, did you watch the game yeah. with Philly? He got his butt handed to him. Like, he took a jab right in the face. He's bleeding on the nose. And literally, what happens? He got hit in the face, and he comes straight back up like, I want more of this fight. Like, and first of all, great fight. I mean, he got his butt whooped. But that said... That happens sometimes. But, that's, but right. that's the thing, though. Like, as like you love to see that energy from your team. Like, he just took it on the face, and literally, he just jumps back up, and he's like, no, 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 refs, you're not. Like, I want, it, I want some more of this. And he, like... The other guy was like, whoa, okay, like, we're doing this again, like, round two here already. And, like, he's sitting on the bench just bleeding. Like, that's the mentality that Hines wants. And it has definitely permeated throughout the the, the team, for sure. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see moving forward um, how, you know, Tanner Janot and people like this develop into the system. Because uh, we do have several people in Milwaukee that probably do deserve to get a shot next year, especially on the bottom pair defense, because, like, we've been struggling this year our bottom third pair, especially because of uh, Burrow being out, has struggled. I feel like that's our one weak point. But we do have like really good defensive players there sitting in Milwaukee. So I'm very interested to see how Hines' uh, development of young players kind of extends into the next two to three years. Uh, I think it could be really good. And so, guys, as we get ready to close the show up, do either of you have any stats? Because, Dan, look in the show notes here. You've got one stat you want to bring up. But yeah, Matt- I'll, I'll like. I'll let Matt do his usual, and then I'll interject one here. Well, you, go, you go first, Matt. I'd just like to say I'm having a great time, and I can't believe it's time to be done already. Because it's already been an hour. I feel like I'm just getting started. I got a lot of excitement this week, it seems, and I'm, I'm just chomping at the bit to talk at hockey. Maybe it's because we took like uh, we had trouble with scheduling last week, so we didn't we missed a couple days. Uh, so I got a lot more pent-up uh, anger and frustration. I need to get on the Bring mic. it. Bring it to us. But uh, a couple uh, records I'll tell you, I'll leave you with uh, – is now the Bruins won their 18th straight game against the Coyotes the other day, and that's the second longest uh, streak win streak against a single team in NHL history. And, uh, of course, Alexander Ovechkin, uh, the big guy, man himself, passes Yager for third uh, in goals all-time on the all-time list, uh, which is not understated, of course. But uh, it seems like he's breaking top and everybody off every week. He's clipping somebody else off. And now this is a big one. Y- passing Yager is a freaking big one. Yeah, that's and, huge. Uh, but I will say, my boy, Kyle, we started the show with him, and I'm going to end my segment with him. My boy, Big Z, passes my other boy, Chris Chelios, for most games played by a defenseman all time in NHL history at 1,651. 1,650. Can you imagine the, and the amount of wear? And it's his 45th birthday today. Yeah. So happy birthday, Charles. Let's 45, go. And, but can you imagine like playing that many games and the wear and tear on your body? Yeah. And he's still kill, like he's kicking butt out there. I mean, the other night it was a rookie and he he was just like, you know what? I'm be, I have a record tonight. And he's like, I'm just going to beat you up too. It's your first fight. And he's just like, he tapped him on yeah. the head afterwards. He's like, yeah, that's right. That was, uh, that was the day he broke. Uh, that was the night he broke Chelios's, uh, yes streak and i was and people are saying oh i don't know if he wants to get in a fight because you'd hate to lose oh, whenever the night's about you but bro, no. you made it the more sweet you just gave him the kiss you just put a couple fisticuffs on yeah. him and knocked him and to the floor like, bro he had like a foot of reach extra on yeah, him and and it was the kid's first time like fighting too yeah. and he wanted to fight chara so he was just like you know and then afterwards he's like you good you tap something just uh, somebody said some reporter said he asked chara he's like you want to go yeah. so he asked him before he just yeah and i'd say you know the reason why chara's been so healthy is because he's got that height reach that nobody can reach up there and touch 
touch him so nobody can actually hurt him because they got to get a ladder to get there and hit him. That, that kid is going to wear that as a badge of honor the rest oh, of the yeah. shot. Like, I mean, like, he That's had awesome. to do it. It was That's on awesome. his check mark list. He's done it. Congrats. But I just, he's such a good guy, too. Like, you could tell he's just like, you good. Okay. I got you with a couple. I just wanted to hit you, you know, get you a little shiner for tomorrow, but yeah. for the for the Instagram picture. But uh, you, you'll be fine, bud. Go sit, go sit on the bench for a few, you know. Um, so that said, though, Matt, uh, and, you know, there's another boy of yours who's just recently cropped up in our text messages because you had no idea about him, and that has to be Luke Evangelista. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm just going over the stats right now. So he's currently fourth right now in the OHL with 93 points. Um, he's only played 50 games. Uh, so he's currently fourth. He's only four off the leader. But you ready for this stat? 50 games, he is number one in goals with 47 goals. He's almost a goal a game pace right now in the OHL. I mean, it's the OHL, but you have to admit, that is... Oh, that's good for us. That's, that's fine. Yeah. That is some great awesome. eye-popping numbers. He's he's eight goals above second place. Yeah, that's incredible. Like, um, and one of the, uh, the scouts actually was reported saying that when he gets the puck, basically like on his stick, it feels like time slows down. Like he's able to really process stuff really well. And that's what they really liked about him when they scouted him. And that's the crazy part is once again, I feel like the Preds recently have done a really good job of finding those, those gems, like in the later, uh, you know, you're, we're not getting picks one through five, you know, where you're getting tons of firepower. You're not getting a Zegris every, you know, like it's just very interesting that the Preds scouting department has been able to find these core pieces that are now like mainstays like Tanner Janot, Ellie Tovenin was a late, he fell a little bit, but like, once again, it, it's very interesting to see, like, I, and I'm very interested in his progress. Yeah, uh, well, I didn't know that about him. Uh, that, that to me, when you said that, that time slows down when he touches the puck. That, that kind of reminds me of what they say about Gretzky when he played, that he had such a hockey IQ about him that he could read the ice better than anybody else. They said, you know, anybody can pass and shoot, but hockey, uh, he was like playing a chess match in that he could read the ice like nobody else could. So when you said that, that kind of reminded me of that. So that's really exciting to, uh, to know about him, that he has that kind of uh, quality. Well, that said, just to my point, he was a second-round pick. He was 42nd overall in the draft. So he was not a first-rounder. So I'm just very interested to see his progression. The fact that he's absolutely destroyed the OHL this year, does that mean, like, hey, next year is the logical progression? Like, are we already moving him up to Milwaukee? Does he actually make the training camp, too? Which I would love to see him, like, actually make the training camp just to have some sort of NHL, you know, like, while they do the rookie development camp. Would love to see him there. I can just envision. Uh, I just see this. It really this didn't fit for you as much, but this fits really for Kyle as trying to give you like a very hipster, like, oh, yeah, I, I was watching Luke Evangelista when he was in the OHL <laughs> before it was cool. That seems very Kyle. Well, I was the one who did point it out, though. But that said, Kyle, Kyle, does, Kyle does like He the, likes to try to flex like that. So. He's, he's flexing over here on, like, you know, the KHL stuff all the time. So yeah. that's just how it is. But, but to be fair, Matt, you know, it's always good to have one thing on you because the look on your face, you're like, how did I not know this? Yeah. Who is this? I don't know. The but. occasional time you blow my mind, it is always, like earlier this episode, before we started recording, Dude. you said something I was like, oh, my my God, how do you even know that right now? You you can't know more than I do about hockey. So the fact that you just pulled that out, out of your left field is just mind-blowing. And so, Daniel, what games do we have coming up for us? Yeah, we have a stretch here where we really need to win a couple because I, I guarantee you April is going to be brutal. It like, always comes down to But I'm telling end. you, though, 
I, I'm just not to skip ahead, but the last two weeks of the season is St. Louis, Calgary, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, Calgary, Colorado, Arizona. Your last three like, L's in a row at the end. It, it it's going to be brutal. So we need to rack up some points now, and you have some big time uh, Central Division games coming up, especially with Minnesota. You have two more with Minnesota. Um, but yes, in the next two weeks, we have Toronto. I'll be at that game tomorrow. Okay. That's very, that's going to be a fun one. You can see Austin Matthews continue his scorch of the earth with like, what does he have? 43, 44 goals already this year. Uh, then we have back to back the, basically we're going to do the Pacific swing. We'll have Anaheim, LA, Vegas, and then followed by Philly, Ottawa, and then Buffalo. And that's in the next two weeks. And then, like I said, that will start us off into what is crazy to think that we're already in April, but. It'll be the the last push before the playoffs. So we'll see where we land. And so, guys, that's going to be a show for today. If you like us, you can find us on Twitter at Music City Gold. And be sure to go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube and iTunes, both by searching for Music City Gold. Until next time, guys, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.